It's the Everything RVC Podcast. I am David Costello, and she's back. I'm so excited. Welcome back, Amanda Keeper. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? <clears throat> I am so happy to be here. I missed this room and you so much. I felt like somebody else was taking my babies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. I was wondering if you were getting a little nervous with the guest hosts because they they did a great job. They too. did, and you know what? Many of the listeners may not realize is we can watch the ratings of each podcast. Right. And so I was very intent on watching the ratings, <laughs> and I have to tell you, yeah. um, Jerry Levi has some following, and I was wondering if I was going to have to challenge him to yeah. a duo to take my place back. Well, and Eric Wilson uh, is obviously quite popular as well. And well, he, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's hard yeah. to gauge. I do want to talk ratings later as we're wrapping up today, and we can talk about how everybody is doing, who's in the lead, as it were, yes. uh, in the ratings. But yeah, it's it, like you've said before, each guest, for one, brings their own audience, people right. that want to listen and, and people they know, friends, family, mm -hmm. uh, colleagues. But then the guest host was another wrinkle to it because Jerry and Eric both kind of brought their own audiences yeah. to it as well. So. But truly, in all honesty, I love having guest hosts and I, I anticipate that we'll have more guest hosts because exactly what you said. Yeah. Every new person that comes to the podcast brings their own audience and that's what we really want. We want more people listening to this because I think there's such great value in it. So what did you think of the guests as far as that goes? Uh, oh, it was fantastic. Well, as you know, I was very sad that I wasn't here for George Hernandez, yeah. um, but I listened to them as soon as the guest you know, left the room and you sent me the, the mm -hmm. audios. And it was exactly what I thought it would be. I mean, George is such a communicator. He's a natural communicator, so I knew that was going to happen. But just the content, it was so timely and relevant for what we're going through with the pandemic and having right. a child myself and, you know, thinking about some of those topics that he talked about in terms of um, social media and resilience and uh, making sure that we're modeling for our children and for our peers, even even each other, right. um, good self-care. And I think our guest today is going to talk more about good self-care. Yeah, I was going to say that it wasn't really planned this way because mm -hmm. the guests, uh, you know, sometimes we go after them and ask them to be on and sometimes they just volunteer. And just the way it has worked out these last few, they are very timely. Like yes. you mentioned with George and how we could, we could talk about the anxieties and some of the things that our students and others are going through during this time. And then our second guest last week, Kim Blanchard, was talking about obviously online learning. That's right. her thing. So very timely with everything the whole world is having to go through there and adjust to to learning online. So and then today we are pleased to be joined by associate professor Jackie Moss and she oversees our respiratory care program. And hey, respiratory care coronavirus. So yeah. again, kind of timely there. So welcome, Jackie. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. A little nervous, but you guys are just looking so smart in your masks. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm, normal. I'm feeling just comfortable now. Good. 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 That's Well, that's what we want. We just we want it to be a nice, natural conversation. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for popping by. And um, we usually have people start with their RBC story. And it's interesting because when we reached out for the things you wanted to talk about, you said that people might be surprised by your RBC story. So why? Yeah, I'm kind of maybe, I don't want to call myself a gem, but maybe I'm a hidden gem. Um, I graduated from Rock Valley College's respiratory care program in 1982, and I have been 
active with the college all but a, uh, two years out of that wow. time frame. So I have been affiliated, if you really want to think about yeah. it, I've been affiliated with Rock Valley College since 1984. Wow. Wow, awesome. Yeah, I don't think most people know that. No. Um, so first of all, I, you know, I graduated from the program here. And, you know, I started working on the second shift like most graduates do and kind of focused in on my, you know, learning the job and, and, and so on. And a position came available. I worked at Swedish American and the position came available and I just applied for it because, you know, I'm a go-getter or I'd like to think I'm a go-getter. And I thought, well, you know what, I don't really think I'm I'm ready for the position and maybe I'm not qualified enough, but you know what, I'm just going to go because first of all, you learn so much during an interview process. I mean, that alone is educational. So I thought, well, let's just try. And it was for the um, educational position of taking students from Rock Valley College's respiratory program with you to the bedside. Hmm. And so I did that a year and a half after graduation. That was just kind of unheard of. And yeah. so I spent 12 years with having Rock Valley students next to me my entire eight-hour day. Yeah, hmm. so Rock Valley, we don't hire people for the hospitals. We, we use their employees, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I became an educational support for Rock Valley and educating all of the students. So when you think about it, I've had students since 1984. And if you do the math, I should have done the math before I came in because I'm not good at it. But if you think 1984, and I've been probably exposed to, on average, 12 students a year. Mm -hmm. Think about the hundreds of people that I've helped educate. Yeah, Yeah, it goes a lot. That goes a long time. So when I think there's a theme, when we talk to people, a lot of people have an RVC story and they didn't want to leave the college. What was it about the college that was so attractive to you? Well, actually, um, you know, I came to Rock Valley College just because I didn't have money to go to a four-year institution. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I did not know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had, you know, my kids are now, oh my gosh, my kids are 30 and 31. And when we were in high school, I, I felt so terrible because how do we expect them to come to that conclusion of what they're gonna do for the rest of their lives? I just, and so I wasn't ready. And so I came to Rock Valley and actually I started in what I thought would be social work. Um, And I just decided during my gen eds and some other classes that it just wasn't gonna be for me. And so I just happened to receive respiratory therapy Hmm. um, when I was 15, and that's a story. Um, And I thought, well, I'll just just get in the program because I literally did not know what else to do. And um, as I'm sitting in the classrooms, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? (laughs) I didn't know I was going to have to do that. Oh, that sounds gross. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my God, this is the second time, the second thing I've thought of. I cannot turn back. And I just decided to write it out. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this has been... um, I am so passionate about this this profession. I, I kind of fell into it. But it was the best fall I've ever taken. Oh, that's a, Tell yeah. us a little bit about the profession. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So, um, so in order to get to that point, I want to tell you 
um, whenever I say who I am, a respiratory therapist, everyone says, oh, you're a nurse. And, you know, I don't mind being called a nurse. Um, they're highly regarded, but I'm not a nurse. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I just am like a specialized nurse. I'll say it like that. Um, and the best way to describe it is I help you with your very first breath. So we're there at C-sections, we're at there, there are multiple deliveries and we'll help the baby with their very first breath. And then I go all the way through your entire life until you take your very mm. last breath. Mm. And some of us are very passionate about that very first breath. They love working with neonates and infants and so on and so forth. But I gotta say, I have a really soft spot for that last breath we're all gonna do it it's inevitable yeah and we in the profession say that you can all experience a good death and that's what I would wish everybody to have it doesn't happen often but if we can help it we'll we'll try Mm. to have you have that good last breath I think that is such a beautiful story and for so many different reasons. When my grandfather was diagnosed with cancer, they told him he had four years left or four months left to live. And to the day he lived for four months. And I was one of those that Mm. thought I could never be around somebody who was dying. I was deathly afraid Mm -hmm. of death. And through that process, to be honest, I didn't want to be there by his bedside because I was so afraid of death, Mm -hmm. but I was also so afraid of my family's judgment of me. And so I kept going over there because I didn't want them to say, oh, Amanda doesn't show up. So I kept going over there to, to not have the judgment. And I discovered profound respect for hospice workers Mm. that are at the bedside. And I realized that death can be one of the most beautiful Mm -hmm. experiences and so when you told that story, you know, I got goosebumps, first of all, because I, I, I agree with you. I saw it with my own eyes. Tell us a little bit about what that training would look like to get to that point where you can be by somebody's side at the end of their life. What kind of training do students have to go through? You know, I wish there was more training. Um, unfortunately, there's just not enough time in the curriculum. And there are studies that prove um, even doctors don't have enough training for what it is that needs to happen. Um, I think I think for most of us, um, we've learned, unfortunately, um, by being at the bedside. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a I can be a very empathetic person, almost to a fault. Um, you know, and what I mean by that is sometimes I get wrapped up so much in other people's sorrows, or but also happiness. Um, that, you know, sometimes that's really difficult. But um, I think the training actually for me just happened at every single bedside I've been at. See, I don't think, and I've said this to many of my patients when I was at the bedside, I felt like they gave me much more than I ever gave them. It's really hard to understand that, but, you know, I was there to hold hands and, you know, uh, a quiet presence, a, pres- a soothing presence, but they all took me in to allow that. I mean, what a beautiful testimony um, to experience that, to let somebody in that, isn't even your family in on that? Wow. 
Um, and it, you don't have to be, you don't have to be on you know the path of death to experience the, that. I wish I wish we'd experience that a little bit more with our everyday colleagues. It's just a totally different feeling. And they gave me so much in the 21 years I worked at Swedish American. Um, I also happen to like to, you know, if I've got somebody really ornery in front of me, I'm going to find that ooey-gooey part in the center. <laughs> I don't care what it takes, but they all have some ooey-gooey part. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I find that, it's not me finding that. It's that they gave it to me. Mm-hmm. They shared that with me. They don't share that with very many people. So, oh, my gosh, you let me see that part of you? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So I always, always said they gave me a lot more than I gave them. But get, to get back to the training, um, I, think, I think that you learn very quickly um, to look at people's eyes. So we're all in masks right mm-hmm. now. Um, but the eyes sometimes are more expressive than a smiling mouth. You know, you pick up on something that just speaks a million to you, like, oh, my gosh, you know, I I can't believe that just happened, or, oh, my gosh, that's so wonderful. Um, And so you just looked at people's eyes. You you held their hands. They, And I've seen some bad deaths, and you don't want anyone, anyone to go through that. So sometimes learning, you know, by seeing bad things, too, is instrumental into the training. Um, my students know from the very beginning that um, I just told them last week, I said, we have a death and dying um, uh, section coming up. And I said, I'm very open, very, very open. And I enjoy talking about it. And most of their eyes, again, I'm seeing their eyes, mm-hmm. are like, oh, my gosh, what are we in for, right, Amanda? What are mm-hmm. we in for? And they're so young. It's hard for oh. young people to think about that, Mm -hmm. to think about that transition. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example? And I hope I'm not being too radical here. Um, I have always been fascinating with transitioning from this life to the next. Can you give me an example of something that you have witnessed that um, speaks to that issue? I can't, but I will give you another example, Amanda. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I believe that everything has a purpose, um, that good and bad, whatever, has a purpose. And so this story will will shine light on that. Um, I was called to the emergency room, and I get there, and in front of me is a a 32-year-old woman, and she's having grand mal seizures. And, um, And so her body is, you know, spasming all over the place, her arms, her legs, her entire body. And then I look and I notice that she is very, very pregnant. Hmm. So we've got two patients, not just one. And so right now her OBGYN is in the room and he's very concerned um, about the mom and of course about the baby. And He's doing everything he possibly can. In fact, he's trying to do some things that probably he hasn't done for a really long time. And I'm kind of rubbing his shoulders, and I'm saying, good job, good job, you're doing awesome. And in the meantime, he's got other doctors coming in for consultations. And the neurologist said at the point in time, he just said, you know, I've got to, I've got to get mom. Mom has got lack of blood supply to her brain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to treat mom. 
And the OBGYN said, well, what it sounds like you're going to do is it sounds like you're giving up on the baby. And the neurologist happened to say, well, yeah, in order to save the mom, I'm going to have to, you know, not, you know, treat the baby. And the OBYNG said, no, absolutely not. We have two patients, and we're going to treat these two patients. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is such a traumatic time. Um, and so we decided, okay, there, there's two patients, and we're going to treat both of them. So we're doing all of this testing on mom, and we're watching the baby's heartbeat, and the baby's heartbeat starts to slow down. So now the baby's life is more is more and more critical than mom's. So they take the uh, mom for an emergency C-section. Um, the baby was um, just like three weeks uh, premature, so it's it's probably going to be fine. Um, but mom is too critical. They cannot they cannot do what they need to do with mom. So they wait three days and they do surgery on mom, brain surgery, and they've addressed her issues. Well, the key to all of this is that the baby was born with Downs, had absolutely nothing to do with the prematurity, hmm. but the baby had severe heart anomalies, heart defects. Mom lived to be perfectly normal, perfectly normal, and they enjoyed the baby for a year. Hmm. The baby did die from the heart anomalies, but can you imagine... Can you imagine if neither one of them made it? Right. Can you imagine if they decided to not treat the baby? The the trauma that those parents would have gone through, they were so fortunate that the mom made it, the baby made it, and that they were able to enjoy. There was a female little girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were able to enjoy that baby for an entire year. Mm -hmm. When you look at all of that, you could concentrate on the trauma, the terrible things that happened to that family, or you could concentrate on the beauty and the love in that story. And there's right. so much there. There's so much there. And that's what helps the younger people get through. That's, I mean, how can you be in that situation and not come across being better for the situation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You must have so many stories oh my gosh. like that uh, in your experience. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming you use those stories with your students and all to the, help. All the time. In fact, um, we just got done talking about, you, you know, because HIPAA, I call him the ice cube man. And so I'll just share this one more story. Um, Mr. Ice Cube um, closed the bar down, and um, he basically... Uh, had to go over a snowbank to get to his car after the after he closed the bar. Well, somewhere on the top of the snowbank, um, he passed out. Mm. Um, so his body became hypothermic, which actually saved his life. Um, but no one saw him. No one checked on him. Nothing until the morning came up, the sunrise. So he was probably, you know, in the snowbank from 2 o'clock to maybe 7.30 in the morning. Mm. Well, we ended up having to do CPR on him for four hours. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That means you go through every personnel that you can find to come up to the chest and do compressions. Um, needless to say, he probably um, had very poor health due to his consumption of alcohol. 
Um, he probably um, passed away, I think, six hours later. Um, but yeah, Mr. Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I got lots of stories, mm-hmm. all for educational purposes and no means right. to diminish what the person went through. Um, but that goes to also making good choices. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that in class. Yeah. And another good choice, um, I, you know, n- to, to come on here and not mention it would be uh, terrible of me, but um, smoking and e-cigarettes, mm-hmm. uh, not a fan, mm-hmm. not a fan. Sure. And um, just to m- um, mention, e-cigarette, I'm so frustrated because COVID has gotten in the way of e-cigarette message. You know, we were having, we were having a, a phenomenon of many people dying from e-cigarettes, they think they found the co- the um, cause is that they were smoking cannabis in the e-cigarettes, but unfortunately that gave a false message to young people. That meant that okay, if I don't smoke cannabis, then e-cigarettes are okay. No, e-cigarettes are not okay. They have just as many chemicals um, in them as regular cigarettes. They, mm-hmm. There's no research to prove that they help you stop, that they're better for you or anything and frankly i don't think they make you cool either (laughs) so um but just to shed light on what they do to you um another example of the biggest probably my biggest uh patient population is people in their 50s 60s and older that have chronic lung disease and that is a slow and i will tell you a very slow 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 death Mm. They die over 10, 20 years. And so if you can imagine somebody putting a pillow over your face, that it, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter over 10 to 20 years, that's miserable. That is not a good death. Well, I don't is, smoke, but if I did, she would have convinced <laughs> that, me to quit yeah, right now. That is a powerful analogy. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the respiratory program and if one of our listeners wanted to pursue this what would they be expected to do to get that certificate to get that certification love love to in fact that's one of the reasons why it prompted me to get on to this um so it's a two-year program you have to take about a year of prereqs and it's a um, competitive uh, um, program. So in other words, we have more applicants than we have openings. So of course, um, we take the best of the best. So, um, you know, and you have to be serious in high school as well. And just because you weren't, it doesn't mean you're lost forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we do take the best of the best. It's a two-year program full-time. Um, it's a hard program. I will tell you that you need to if, for example, you got a C in anatomy and physiology, we recommend you take it over um, because a C will not put you necessarily at the best of the best. If you can take it over and get a B, you'll have a higher ranking and a better possibility of getting in the program. So um, out of those two years, um, you go to clinical, you're at um, hospitals. We rotate through Swedish American Mercy Health, OSF, We'll go down to Dixon for KSB or Catherine Shaw Bethea. We go over to the east um, into McHenry Hospital. And we go to Beloit. And then we have a rotation at UW of Madison. So we've got some great clinical sites. And at the end of two years, uh, you are um, 
an associate in applied science. Then you have to take two national exams um, to become licensed and then employable. And now, just like most of the professions, we are thinking about it becoming a bachelor's program. Again, we've already talked about that we don't have enough time in the curriculum to even educate or teach well for death and dying processes. We're just finding that there's more and more and more. And when you think about it, I work with life support equipment. If I don't know what I'm doing, you know, something really bad could go wrong. So we are working our way to a bachelor's. And to be honest with you, there's master programs in the country, and now there's one PhD program. So for many people who've never heard of us, mm-hmm. we are just like a kind of like, like a quiet little healthcare practitioner <laughs> out there. Well, it, did that change with COVID because of it being a respiratory or, or significantly affecting the respiratory system? Have you noticed more people now n- noticing this career and wanting to be a part of That's it? That's actually a great question. I was worried our numbers were going to drop because everybody would be afraid of coming in contact with it when, in fact, some people have never even heard of us. So probably um, March and April when they were talking about respiratory therapists, oh, my gosh. Mm. Yeah, so we have seen an increase in that. Um, In fact, um, I had to write this down because I knew I wouldn't remember it. Um, But our profession before COVID has a 23.4 projected growth. And that was even before COVID. Mm-hmm. This is one of the jobs that you get a job even before you're done with school. Mm-hmm. I've got um, several of my second year students already employed. So it's, and it's, the money is, is about 58,000 on average. Mm-hmm. So it's decent money. Um, you know, but again, I don't want people to get in the career for the money. And I don't want people to get in the career because it's a short fix, a two-year, a year prereq. I want people that are, are wanting to take care of people. Right. And I see that, and this is my opinion, I see that as a, as a, a declining reason to get into health care. I see that in, in the decades that I've been doing this, that more people are getting into it for the money and not necessarily mm-hmm. for the care of people. Jackie, I think that's very intriguing. As an instructor, you must have intuition when you meet a new student. Are there moments where you're wondering right away, is this the right track for this particular student? Yes, I have. Um, yeah. And so we start talking really soon. I mean, I don't like to jump to conclusions, but, you know, if you're not even compassionate to the person, a classmate, right. um, you're not willing to, like, help them study or anything like that, that's a strong sign to me that, well, how are you going to be compassionate to a person who's sick? Um, so, yeah, we, we start having conversations early on. And unlike my education, I feel like I didn't know everything that I got in, into the program or into the profession when I got in there. I was really shocked and surprised about some of the things I was going to do. Um, so I bring this all up front, man. They hear a, a death and dying story within a month of the program. Mm-hmm. And I watch their, well, I watch their eyes. Um, we do Zoom in some classroom right now. Um, and then I'm looking for their feedback. I'm just looking and looking and looking and looking for their feedback. Mm-hmm. Or if the, even if they will participate. Because if they don't participate, that's telling me something, too. So, yeah. I, and then we try to coach them really early. If this isn't for you, I don't want you to be in a profession you're not going to be happy with. Why waste your two years? 
What is the completion <clears throat> rate? Our completion rate um, is usually really high. Um, so we've got maybe a, a 95% completion rate. Mm-hmm. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. That that speaks a lot to the process of getting into the program. You yeah. probably do a lot of research for each student. How many students get in a year? Only 15, and the reason for that is because I only have 15 clinical spots. Um, I wish I could take more because the, um, uh, the hospitals wish I could take more, actually. Sure. Um, there's job openings all the time, but we just can't take enough uh, any more than that for the clinical spots. They can only have so many students in their hospital at a time. Do you know what percentage of the graduates go on to pass those national exams? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I knew she would. That's why you see how I set that one up? Right, for right. So we are an accredited program. So we have to look at it year after year after year after year. And for some reason, we had a really bad year. Um and that's held against us mm-hmm. for four years. Okay. <laughs> that's harsh. But yeah, it is harsh. Um, but um, we're still meeting all the national um, thresholds that we're supposed to to remain accredited. They're just lower than I want them to be. You know, sure. we're always trying to make them make them higher. So if it's like 90, 95, I want like 97, 98. Yeah. So I'm always striving to be higher. Well, I know that you are, you know, I've always respected your professionalism. I know that you take everything that you do very seriously, and we're lucky to have you. Um, I'm interested in learning more about the breath in other contexts, and I've always wanted to ask you this. I just hadn't had the opportunity. So I suffer from an anxiety disorder. I have panic disorder. And so the breath is extremely important Mm -hmm. to me. What do you teach students? Do you teach students about the breath in terms of anxiety and self-care? Is that something you cover? No. Um, Again, no time in the curriculum. Okay. But we do teach it in respect to a person with chronic lung disease. So if they're short of breath today, let's say I'm having a really uh, really bad day, Amanda, I will teach them to purse lip breathe. And what that means is you breathe in through your nose, and then you, you kind of pierce your lips like you're going to like whistle, and then you'll blow out very slow and very long. And basically, by concentrating on that breath, you get them to relax more. And that alone will help, not completely, but if some of it's been brought on by some anxiousness because they're, they can't breathe, it will address that part of it. Oh, I cannot imagine. I'm sure there's comorbidities and some people with lung issues also have anxiety issues. And I'm sure that some of the lung issues bring on the anxiety issues because if you feel like you can't breathe, you panic. It's like a BOGO, buy one, get one. It's <laughs> a horrible BOGO. I know. <laughs> right? But, but it is true. If you've got mm-hmm. chronic lung disease, you will end up with either depression or anxiety. It is mm-hmm. absolutely true. And now the trend is, um, we haven't mentioned this, but obesity. Oh, my gosh. The biggest patient I took care of was 350 pounds back in my day. Mm-hmm. They're 500 and plus now. Wow. And they can't sleep. Their airway blocks when the muscles relax, and they they literally suffer from Mm -hmm. lack of oxygen to all of their body organs. So some of these people that, let's say, they're obese and they're they're 20, they'll they'll have low oxygen levels for 10, 20 years. They end up with heart disease later. That's so well documented. 
don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, you know, which mm-hmm. came first, but more than yeah. likely it's because of the lack of oxygen in their body from, you know, their muscles relaxing during their sleep. So breath cover, I mean, yeah. breath it, is covering everything in your life, right? It really does. And I can see how passionate you are about lifestyle choices. Can you tell us what would you say to our listeners about how to take care of themselves to keep their lungs as healthy as possible? That's exercise. <laughs> that is downright exercise. Just like when you're, you know, you're doing your cardiac training, you're training your breathing right there. You have to slow it down. You have to make it beneficial. You have to make it efficient. And so that goes right along with your cardio training. So what do you do personally? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, Amanda. <laughs> I want do you practice to, what you preach, yes, Jackie? Yes, we need to know. What is it like in the exercise room for Jackie? All right. Um, so Jackie has one little other story. Um so I told you I got respiratory therapy. Well, that's because when I was 15, I was waiting for a street light to change so I could cross the road. Me and my friend, we just got out of school. Two cars hit in the intersection and one came up and hit us. Hmm. So I have some very long-term, um, oh. I have a lot of arthritis. Okay. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> Well, it says here that you enjoy biking and kayaking. Yeah, so. <laughs> so you're getting your exercise. I am getting my exercise, and I'm having some fun. Where do right? you go kayaking? So we have a place up on Lake Kaganza, and so we're up there all summer long. You know, we start probably from March until November. So kayaking up on the lakes, but we, we, have, <laughs> we have kayaked on a... a a fast, uh, well, it's called a moderate level of a river mm-hmm. of which um, I couldn't make a turn fast enough. And there was a little tide. And before I know it, my kayak went into a downed tree. Oh. And then my kayak started taking on water. And I am afraid of water. And so well, it's interesting that you kayak <laughs> in that case, but uh, you can, please, please continue. You, you can overcome your fears. It's <laughs> one way to do it. I'm Crash already... your kayak into a tree and then see what happens. <laughs> it gets even funnier. Oh, good. It was a real narrow river. So my husband was able to, like, he had to rescue me. So he, he banked his kayak. <laughs> he had to. I mean, he had, he had no choice. That's, he what he, that's what he signed up for when he said, I do. Well, and I think at that time, my life insurance wasn't worth as much. I was worth more alive than dead. And so he banked his kayak, and he's walking over to me. It's this shallow. And he's like, Jackie, stand up. And I'm like, I'm clinging to this tree. I'm like a monkey, you know, arms, legs. Stand up. What, what was the water like? <laughs> Three feet knees. deep. Yeah. But little did he know the current I got caught in was causing all of the water to, or all of the land to wash away. So as he's nagging at me to stand up, all of a sudden he drops. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have to <laughs> And you had to save him. Save him. Now my kayak is three-fourths buried. He says, he finally yells at me. He goes, Jackie, you have a life jacket on. <laughs> oh, my God. 
sounds like a Saturday Night Live special. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I let go of the tree. Um, he pushed me. <laughs> he pushed me closer to the shore. Do you know I ended up oh, with poison ivy? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Of course you did. Wow. Oh, see, life with me is always questionable, unpredictable, yeah. and I'm always good for a laugh or two. Well, speaking of unpredictable, our campfire question is unpredictable. Did you come yes. prepared with one today? I do, I do. I, I, you know, sometimes I look up questions, and then sometimes there's just something I want to know about a person, and I, I really would like to know. So, Jackie. Be kind. I No, this is... This is it's something that David asked me one time, and I think oh. it's a really good question. I think sometimes maybe we should ask everybody this question. But if you weren't in respiratory therapy, what would you do for a career? Hmm. Oh, my gosh, that's a very good question because about 18 years ago, I thought I might try to reinvent myself. Um, wow. Well, I couldn't be a, a professional kayaker. I was say, yeah, Olympic, <laughs> Olympic kayaker. That's out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Um Oh. See, it's so hard to to think of something else cuz I really I really you know, I I really am in what I was meant to do. Um well, I can be a little OCD about organization. So, um I couldn't go into necessarily a very bad um hoarder but i could go into moderate hoarder business okay <laughs> is that a thing so you you would be helping moderate ho- moderate hoarders moderate hoarders yeah um so so my parent my uh, mom and and her husband were hoarders mm-hmm. uh, my aunt was kind of a, a hoarder my grandmother but they collected stuff but okay. they collected it to like the umpteenth degree and they were very clean see so that's 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 where i'm having to have mm-hmm. clean hoarders i could help them <laughs> my husband might want to hire you <laughs> i'm sure there's not much of a demand for that but you know it's not really fake, yeah. like uh, it's just stuff everywhere definitely not where i thought that was gonna go no but not at all that was quite the show well that's what makes it, i think we need to leave you where you are you are much more yeah. you we are much better served with you in your current position yeah oh speaking of not knowing where things are gonna go yes. now we have our random questions you i know you've listened <laughs> i know you have listened to the show so. yes i have so you have a bag next to you and and i know you're excited about this i can see it all over your oh, face yes. I can see it in your eyes. We're looking for the ooey gooey. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. What gets you excited about life? Oh. <laughs> so I would, um, yeah, I have a new granddaughter. <laughs> That'll do it. Day out. She's a year, uh, she's like 13 and a half months. And, it's, um, you know, I always heard people say, you know, how great it was to be a grandparent. And frankly, I didn't understand it. I couldn't relate to it. Now that I can relate to it, especially right now. So, you know, we hear all of this stuff all day long. COVID this, COVID that. You know, things that aren't true. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just, within a minute, you can forget the world. Yep. 
just forget the world. Mm. Yeah. Sweet and innocence, and you just would love to wrap it up and put it in a gazillion packages <laughs> and, and give it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's what I enjoy. Um, yeah, beautiful. that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one more. <laughs> yeah, you thought you were done. I pulled three. Can I pick one? Sure. <laughs> when do you feel most like yourself? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a tough one. I don't even know how I would answer that. Um, well, thanks, David. <laughs> hey, Amanda comes up with the questions uh, yeah. for the record. Um. You know, I'd, that's, boy, I, that's an extremely difficult question because I, I think. Um, Was it when you're up to your knees in water and, <laughs> and clinging to a tree and your kayak is shattered all over the mainland? And your husband's nagging you? <laughs> that's when I feel like Jackie. Um. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> this is a really, really hard one um, because I think I haven't spent enough time in, in um, I don't want to say solitude, solitary confinement or anything. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I could put it a different way. Please, um, help me. <laughs> when do you feel like you don't have to do any posturing, any masking, any... You know, I know that mm-hmm. once you get a certain age, you get better and better at that. But I think that for me, it's with friends and family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can be completely myself, my opinions, mm-hmm. my attitudes, my quirkiness, my personality. I don't have to hide from anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about what I'm going to say. That's when I feel most myself. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Uh, that's uh, thank you. Just, I think you both just, answered yeah, my question. Just steal her answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea when you said you're not having to posture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so funny because um, I can't. It yeah. With my granddaughter again, I guess. Mm-hmm. With my yeah. granddaughter mm-hmm. again, she takes me for who I am. Um, I can be as silly as I want. I can be as serious as I want. Um, and she unconditionally loves me. So it is probably at the time with my granddaughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect, sure. that's a perfect example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jackie, I agree what you said at the top. You are a hidden gem at Rock <laughs> Valley <laughs> College. Mm-hmm. So thank you for joining us today on Everything RVC and best of luck with the program and, and getting through COVID and all that good stuff. All right. Yes. Thanks. I am so happy you're here. I'm so happy our students have you and your wisdom and your expertise and your compassion I've thoroughly enjoyed this hour with you, and there's so many different avenues we could have dug deeper into. And so I, I just hope people take this as an opportunity to get to know you on campus after they hear the podcast. All right. Thank you both. Thank All you. Right. Have a good day. You too. You too. Well, we learned a lot today, yes. I think. Yes, we did. And I think that 
you know, what I just said is true. If you are looking for a career path and you have thought about respiratory therapy, I think that should you decide to go to Rock Valley and pursue this as your career path, Mm -hmm. you would be making a very, very good decision. I think that she has good connections with all of the local hospitals. I know that she is extremely compassionate. I mean, her stories are full of empathy and I wish the listeners could see her eyes when she would tell stories because mm-hmm. you get so much in the nonverbals. But um, she she is a professional who has extremely high standards, and she holds her students to those high standards. And that's what you need in the healthcare field. Right. So I'm proud that she's here. I think we know the title of our um, podcast. Hidden Gem? No. Oh. Ooey Gooey. <laughs> she was really, really, that was an important story for her. Yeah, and that that's was, true. she really took pride in if you just sit with a person and you, you share space with them mm-hmm. and you look into their eyes and you allow them to be vulnerable, you will get the ooey gooey parts. Yeah. And that is what makes life so beautiful. Yeah, she's she's got stories for days, it appears. Yes, and, uh, I, I felt like when we interviewed Dave Ross, yeah. I felt like she's just a natural storyteller and she has so many yeah. experiences and examples to share that this could have been easily a two hour podcast. Yeah, and her passion clearly came through and that's that's been a theme for all of our guests really you can really see the passion they have for for what they do Mm -hmm. and for this college as a whole so and another person that was a student and stayed right yeah that's another yeah there is some there is some magic at rock valley college just like me and you it just sucks you in there is some magic (laughs) i wanted to talk a little bit about now that you're back about the show okay let's do it in general so um i wanted to share a little listener feedback okay one i thought that would be cool um this is from our friend jennifer wheeler remember jennifer i do remember jennifer um so she worked here in student life and she now works somewhere else but she misses rvc and she she uh, put this on social media and that made Amanda and I feel good. So um, she said, today I finally had the opportunity to binge listen to all the current episodes of Everything RBC podcast and it exceeded expectations. I honestly couldn't think of two better hosts. Well, neither could I. Oh, well. Then Amanda and David and the guests thus far have been thought provoking and entertaining. And she goes on to talk about how she likes her job now, but she really misses Rock Valley. And though I am unable to experience the joys of working with and for the students, firsthand anymore this podcast is providing me with a much needed piece of home that i didn't know i needed so yeah that I was think, really nice I, I think that that is what's so special about rock valley is that the people care so much you know there's things at every institution and in every organization that are frustrating and annoying and that's just organizational culture sure. i mean that's life that's life with family that's life with friends but people just care around here. And I think yeah. that the beauty of this podcast has been we get to highlight how much people care and and how they are committed to this school and to the students. And that's why I wanted to come back when I was young. That's why I was hired at NIU. And all I wanted to do was come back to Rock Valley College. And yeah. I think so many people will come in and say the same thing. It has a way of pulling you back in. Yes. Like even people who've le- a lot of people have left here. And, and then they, they come go back. S- and they come back. Mm-hmm. Like our president. Right. And our president also had something nice to say. He tweeted, uh, biked 51.45 miles today, which is a, I can't even wrap my head around. Beast mode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While catching up on the Everything RBC podcast. Truly captivating. Thanks, David and Amanda, for being the keys to learning about our Golden Eagle family. So oh, that was nice, too. Awesome. So 
So yeah, so thank you for those who are listening and providing that kind of feedback. We definitely appreciate hearing that. Uh, we wanted to also talk about the ratings. We want to have a little competition. I don't know if we mentioned this on the show yet. We have not. We talked about it privately, okay. but yes. So we are going to have a nice prize pack at the end of the year. We'll do it at the end of the calendar year for our first round of guests that we've had on the show. And whoever has the most plays, pure and simple, the most people who've listened to your episode is going to get the prize pack. And so our leaderboard right now, mm-hmm. uh, and it's by a pretty wide margin, is Annika. Our student trustee. Yeah, our student I love trustee. that. So that's that's interesting. And uh, she's the only student we've had on so far. We have a few more who are scheduled. Uh, so I don't know if it's because she's a student. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe she has a lot more followers on social media, and that's why, or whatever it could be. Maybe. Yeah, I think that some of the other guests have to step it up and share it with their friends and family. I agree. So Annika's in the lead by a pretty good margin when you look at, at that. Uh, I don't want to give all the numbers, right, right. but we don't want people to feel bad for not measuring up to Annika. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, George Hernandez is in second. Okay. And, he, and we just did his show last week, so it hasn't even had as much time to, you know, to be for, out there right. for people to catch up. So mm-hmm. he may actually have a shot at okay. taking her over. Who's third? Uh, so then we have we have three more that are. I just I'm not going to give specific numbers, but neck the, and neck. But three more that are over a hundred. Okay. And that's our first one that you and I did, and then we were actually tied with Dr. Spearman, and then Abby's is also over the the hundred mark. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So pretty good so far. In fact, I think our average audience at this point is about 100. Right. So, Which I think is pretty good. I'm, I'm pleased with that. I'm just pleased that people are showing an interest in the podcast. I like the, you know, you sent me a text the other day that said someone had stopped Dave Ross and said, hey, I listened to your podcast. And then what was the rest? Yeah, this is a person he had never met at okay. the college. Okay. Uh, and he said that person reached out to him and just wanted to know more about the work that he does with prisoners. Oh, see, that's that's cool. Right. Well, yeah, if people listen to the podcast and they make an effort to get to know people better, I think that, you know, that's one of our uh, reasons and objectives for this podcast. Right. And something I wanted to end on about Jackie is, yeah. you know, she was talking about looking into people's eyes and she said, you know, as a respiratory therapist and as a healthcare worker, the eyes really are powerful. And she said then, and not even during a time of illness, but we need to be looking into each other's eyes and talking to people yeah. and, and showing interest in a genuine way. And, that was such a powerful moment for me. She had so many little nuggets and wisdom for just life lessons that go beyond her career. Yeah, it was a great conversation, and, and uh, I hope we have more uh, more faculty on because it seems that they have they have all these great stories yeah. Uh, yeah. to tell. So we got the same out of George and Dave, and mm-hmm. and this week I would just encourage our listeners to you know slow down, look at the person that you're talking to. Find a way to connect with them, not just, um, you know, mindlessly, but be very mindful. Pay attention to your breath and pay attention to the person you're talking to in a much more intimate way. Even your children. Just stop and look at your children. Mm-hmm. Some great parting advice. Well, it was great having you back Thank as well. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. It was nice to see your eyes sitting in the chair. Not Thank that I didn't enjoy Jerry and Eric. but Thank you. So thanks for being back. Thank you for listening. Again, you can always find us at rockvalleycollege.edu slash everythingrvc or on your favorite podcasting platforms. Until next time, I'm David. And I'm Amanda. Happy Monday.
Tuesday when you listen.